Wayfarer's Chapel is a national memorial to Emanuel Swedenborg and an ecumenical ministry of the Swedenborgian Church based here in Rancho Palos Verdes, California. We seek to nurture the spiritual journey of all wayfarers traveling through life. Our podcast features our weekly sermon and scripture readings. Enjoy. Which nursery song will Jesus have heard the most? Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. Why did Adam and Eve do math every day? They were told to be fruitful and multiply. I know, they're horrible. But at least a little chuckle, a guffaw, a chortle. It's all good. Here's a quote from Joseph Campbell. If you follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while, waiting for you. And the life that you ought to be living is the one you are living, wherever you are. If you follow your bliss, you are enjoying that refreshment, that life within you all the time. And I like that. It actually relates to uh, how angels operate in different states of consciousness. And that's a fairly famous quote, probably more common within the circles of depth psychology rather than Christian communities, and yet it contains within it all the riches of the parable of the talents that Jesus gives us in that teaching today. And I'm going to get to that in more detail later on in the sermon. But it's also a quote that is attributed to the big decisions that we make in life. Either to set down paths before us that are well-worn or perhaps those paths that were instilled in us at an early age, that encouragement. We either dig deeper and we find a path that is given to us freely, that God-given path where we answer that call. And those talents, are multiplied. Those things that were given to us that we did not earn in the ways of the world. Now it's often the case that uh, if you're a parent, you know you want what's best for your child. And this is perfectly good, perfectly natural. And uh, you might recall that those expectations, if you recall back to your childhood, what your parents may have wanted for you and your life whatever those paths were set out to be. I'm guessing not everyone lived those out, or maybe some did, and then decided to also balance it out with some other things that were natural to who you are. But I've lived long enough, I've talked with enough people to also know that this can set up a, a certain paradigm of existing in our world and the world's economy and the world's ways versus the way that God created us and celebrating those gifts. And I've heard this story so many times, if you haven't heard it, it goes something like this. Parents giving the children three different paths. All right, you can be a medical doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be an engineer. You can be all three if you want. Write me when you get some work. 
That's a radically different parenting style than when you simply observe the natural tendencies of our children, their natural gifts, observing how they are in the world, what they love. If you're a parent, you know those. A radically different way of celebrating that would be to encourage them in a different direction. Whatever is going to give you satisfaction, make you happy over the course of your lifetime, may not be the thing that's going to get you the mansion, all those things that the world says you're supposed to celebrate, but if you are happy and you love what you do, that is also celebrating our God-given gifts. One is force and control, and the other is surrender to what is. One is ego, the other is spiritual. One might lead to financial gain in the world at a pretty severe cost. And one celebrates that as Joseph Kendall says, that refreshment within, that refreshment within, it's from a deeper well. And when our heart is open, it's, it's a little bit like that well, when uh, it does rise, it comes to the surface and we experience all those emotions. It's a process, more than a destination. And if you're enjoying the process, well, the journey is worth whatever challenges come our way, because we also have a way of dealing with whatever is existing in our life. And we all get challenged. Can't get through this life without facing challenges. And I did some, I call it spiritual triage on, on, on Friday, people coming in crisis. People that I've seen for probably over a year, very kind of a light ministry, just saying hello and, and waving. But yesterday, or I guess that was Friday, I could see something was on this person's face. They were not, not feeling good. And it was a, a different interaction. It was simply um, entering in and, and kind of, I could see some tears welling up and it was, do you pray? And I, yes, I resisted the temptation to say, do you see this color? No. In the journey of understanding someone's deeper self, simply communicating in a way that allows us to enter in with someone in relationship, it's a powerful thing to bring in the presence of God, the presence of something other, something then the world is going to tell us. and, and um, I just share that little piece because a lot of people right now, I mean, myself included, I'm sure you're part of this, there's a lot of challenges that we are facing. And in every moment where we are faced with a challenge, we have two options. We can resist it. Usually when we resist it, it's going to persist. The other is simply whatever challenges we are facing, use it in the service of finding enlightenment. Whatever that pain is, use that to become the fuel that burns brighter. We bring something more powerful into the situation when we gather in community, when we're there with others who believe in the power of goodness, of truth, the power of the Lord to enter into whatever it is we're facing. I've been talking with my son too. I, I, you know, children are going through enormous challenges too, especially with 
social media and how they can feel so isolated, how their world gets influenced by what the expectations should be for them in their life. Here's how the hells operate. They try and isolate you. They try and tell you loudly that you're the only one having this experience. Guess what the heavens do? They say, come here, let's join in community. Let's join together, let's share and celebrate whatever you're going through because it's bigger than you. The presence of heaven is in community. So one, one way that we can interpret this parable, one is fear. We've got the, the one person with the one talent and the assumptions about who was giving them them talent are part of what they do. They act fearfully. They do what uh, a lot of people might do the same. I've got, I got one talent, I'm gonna bury it in the ground and give it return and make sure it's safe. There is no, uh, there is no safe place here when we're uh, in this adventure of life. There's no way to simply isolate and stay safe. There was a movie, I think it was back in the 80s, called Safe. It was kind of addressing the same topic in a, in a film. God, and if you look at the life, life of Jesus, Jesus did not play safe. Jesus did not shrink away into isolation. It was always engaged in community, always on the move, always an adventure, always engaging with people. And those two paths have everything to do with the talents that we've been given and how we engage in our community, in our neighbor, in things that are larger than us. And it relates to the decision and the choice that we all make, the convictions that we have that perhaps this great leap, that where we feel called by the living God to make it, until we actually physically do it mentally, physically, spiritually, we put our entire being into motion, there's gonna be some hesitation. What does that mean? We double, triple, second, triple guess doubt whether or not we can do this whether it is actually God leading us or not. So here's an inspiring quote for you. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. And there's a little bit more to it about that movement of providence and how all these resources come our way in that moment that we fully commit to something bigger than ourselves, something that we feel is God-inspired. And that's a quote from William Murray. But he's also referencing a couplet by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who also studied Emanuel Swedenborg. And there's the three degrees of separation from Swedenborg in that quote. But it says a lot in that one piece there about what's available to us all, each and every moment of our own lives. Those moments of hesitancy, those moments where we feel inspired by God, but we're like, wait a second, I'm not sure. We hesitate. When we make those commitments to another, to a community, and we keep them, that's, that's fidelity. That's fidelity and divine love. 
keeping our commitments to ourselves, to God, to one another. And we need to understand that in order to unlock the deeper meaning of the parable of the talents. We also need to explore what spiritual maturity means in a world that continues to be fascinated by the glitter and the shiny objects that are out there. They're tantalizing. We can't get enough. Our senses are like, wow, look at that. Shiny stuff, glitter. It's not the deeper reality. It's not where God is at the center of our being. It's not that feeling of depth. Well, we can, if we, that's, that's why contemplative prayer is so powerful. When we lose and, and cut those out, we have to lose ourselves to find God and those in, in the senses. We have to have a way that we can connect and cultivate that. So let's get into generosity, gratitude, and unitive consciousness. And this one um, I'm going to share, it's called A Breakthrough in Consciousness by Father Rohr. It says, Franciscan sister, Elia Delio, describes spiritual maturation and growth in consciousness and a radical surrender into divine love. The first half of our lives, it's spent building an identity, establishing our security, defining our boundaries, creating a safe zone, and having controllable order. We can liken this first stage of life to operating on the lower levels of consciousness. Many religious people get stuck on the level of mythic consciousness with narrow ethnocentric law and order mentality. God is a superior being, being outside oneself and fidelity to God means abiding by the laws of religion and church. Wholeness means nothing more than obeying the rules. Looking for one's center out, always outside oneself inculcates a basic sense of unworthiness, distrust of self, and subservience to those, quote, better, more qualified, superior to counsel and guide. What creates breakthrough in consciousness whereby authentic growth shifts from attention to authority outside ourselves to the inner law of heart is not simply growing old, but rather it is growing inward in freedom. If you make my word your home, Jesus said, you will learn the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom requires breakthrough into unitive consciousness, a radical surrender and complete letting go, trusting the spiritual impulses of life. Life still breaks down as, a, as matter weakens and expectations fail. But the one who lives on the level of integrated consciousness lives in moments of failure or disruption with a lightness of spirit, a sense of openness to divine love which appears like light shining through the cracks of darkness. Suffering is where divine love radiates in hidden darkness, where God is fully human. The power of life itself in the midst of disruption. We live into our divine nature when we cling to this power of life, finding that this power within liberates us beyond the threat of death because fear is driven out by perfect love 
from 1 John 4, verse 18. Living into our divine nature is the source of our freedom and happiness. We cannot know this deeper divine reality if we, only, if we live only on the levels of mediocrity and self-preservation. We are created out of love and are made to energize the world in love. Aging can be either a life of nostalgia or wholehearted engagement with the future. It is a disruptive process as things break down. Friends and pets die, houses are sold, and memories of the past haunt the present. Months melt into years, and we find ourselves in the flow of life. Growing inward by falling upward means learning from our mistakes. Even if the felt experience of life dims, we are invited to let go and surrender to the wild love of God, living into the endless vitality of life itself. Letting go into God is coming home to our true selves, where we discover that our root reality is infinite divine love, and in love we are eternally free. Pause there, there's a lot in that. When we allow ourselves to fully to surrender to God, we are connecting to something wiser, deeper, ever-present. That connection to where we are now, to what is eternal. As we call it here, that marriage of divine love with divine wisdom, the fullness of life itself, the fullness of God. Now having this as our context, and our capacity to live into our God-given talents. It means we have to move on those impulses and celebrate them. Celebrate them by sharing them with the world. And that begins to unlock a little bit more about the parable of the talents. This unit of consciousness, it's a game-changer spiritually because we no longer have to operate out of fear. Our new source of fuel is in remaining deeply connected, deeply rooted into the nature of a living God that is peaceful, it is joyful, it is grateful, and it is a living expression of what divine love and wisdom are. So we're going to wind up a little bit with the parable of the talents still. What our greatest investment in life can be the parable also directly relates to our spiritual maturity, where the first half of life can be seen as that one that's given the one talent, the lower levels of consciousness, that identity, the trappings, the fear, all the ways of establishing who we are in the world. As the, the first half of our life, we can all relate to it. It's building that identity establishing our security, defining our boundaries, creating a safety zone, having controllable order. And that is related to the lower levels of consciousness. So as we're working on celebrating what this parable can be, what the possibilities are for you and us collectively, here and now, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to celebrate something other than fear and scarcity. Something that is infinite, that is abundant, that is here and now, 
and is always with us. We are created out of love to energize the world. The talent that we have, when we move on it, it is a celebration, however much is given. We're all different in various capacities, which is a great thing. But it, is, it does mean we need to be looking outside of ourselves. We need to look at the community. We look at the larger ways that we are making an active contribution. And also acting on the impulse that God has placed in your hearts. That unseen realm. Now, it's not a new topic exactly that Jesus has been preaching here. And you want to look at how the world operates. It does work on scarcity. The more that something is scarce, the more it's valued. This is in direct opposition to how God operates. God operates out of a different paradigm. It is abundance. Look at the world. It's celebrating. It's alive. It's growing. It is giving us. It is providing for us. The difference is our spiritual interiors. Which are we operating in? First half of life, fear and scarcity. Second half of life, inspired and driven to community and where God is navigating and at the, at the helm. Heaven and abundance can be found in community, especially where there is this sense of something bigger than our individual self. It's also the secret to what's a popular topic these days about ab abundance and manifestation and all these things that are out there that are popular with how do we do this stuff. Well, nothing too surprising there. It was already spoken a couple thousand years ago about how to do this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things that you are interested that are manifestations of this physical realm will be added unto you. So I pray that everyone here enjoys a safe and, and peaceful Thanksgiving this week. And I do encourage you all to, um, if you have friends or neighbors or those that are, um, if you're in a, in a space where you can at least make a phone call, reach out to them. The holidays are not easy for those that don't have friends and family, or just the pain of what it means to spend a day alone when everyone else seems to be there enjoying festivities. It's a way to make a simple text message, a phone call, but I do encourage us as a spiritual community to reach out. And I'll lead us with, um, leave us with, I think another, uh, a last piece here. It's a powerful parable on its own. Something that's a spiritual gem that hopefully can continue to nourish our soul long after I read it. It's the parable of the two wolves. One evening, I'll wait for it. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle going on inside people. He said, my son, the battle is between two wolves inside us all. One is evil. It is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, 
and ego. The other is good. It is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a moment and then asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one that you feed. Parting words from St. Saint Teresa of Avila. Let nothing disturb you, nothing frighten you. All things are passing, God is unchanging. Patience gains all, nothing is lacking to those who have God. God alone is sufficient. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. May the Lord so help us all to maintain that living relationship to the living God. Amen.